Hey, what's up? Thanks for tuning in today. We continue a collection of talks titled The Ways of Jesus. And one of my best friends and our campus pastor, Joe Baker, is bringing a message for you titled A New Occupation. Today, we're gonna learn that ministry is not a profession, but it's a calling on every person's life. It's gonna challenge you and inspire you. Before you go, make sure to hit that subscribe button so that you can get the most up-to-date Elevate City content. Well, what's up, Elevate City? We feeling all right? We feeling good today? Can y'all make some noise for Jesus one more time? Hey, listen, I know Joey just gave me that awesome introduction, but um, man, I want to take a moment. We are 10 weeks old, and for 10 weeks, we have seen Jesus do some incredible things here at this church, and this would not be possible if it weren't for us having an incredible lead pastor in Joey McLaughlin. Joey has led this place with such passion and such, um, man, heart for Jesus and a heart for people and a heart for this city, and not many people when they were 17 years old old, dreamed of the moment of launching a church. I was trying to work at a restaurant waiting tables, and Joey was dreaming of this moment of launching a church and literally be in the middle of a pandemic. Are we crazy? Are we crazy? We are crazy. And so I'm super grateful to be up here, and I'm grateful that I get to be pastored by Joey, and that um, for nine weeks straight, Joey has brought the heat in this room, y'all. Come on, that boy can preach. Can y'all make some noise for, for that? Come on. And I want you to know I'm not up here today because Joey needs a break. <laughs> Joey doesn't need a break. This morning he's like running around like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Because he loves to preach. He's, I'm up here today because he believes in me and he believes in putting people on platforms so that they can carry out their call in this life. And so I'm super grateful, excited for today. Super excited. Um, man, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open your Bible or scroll to Mark chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. We've been in this series for the past three weeks, um, past two weeks called The Ways of Jesus. And the big idea of this series is that um, Jesus is calling each and every one of us to walk in a new way of life, to leave behind our old ways, to leave behind our old lives, and to step into a new journey, a new adventure with Him. And um, the story that we've been looking at is in Matthew chapter 4, but today we're going to bring it back to Mark. We're going to actually fast forward a little bit to Mark of what happened here on this day when Jesus first calls these followers. And um, Mark chapter 1, 15 through 18, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God has come near. This is the story of Christmas. God has come down. And he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Someone say gospel in this place. Gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. See, check this out. This is why I love how Mark puts this story together, how he recalls what happened. Jesus calls these four fishermen right after he makes it clear of why he came to this earth. Jesus shares his message. He says, the time is now. Someone say, the time is now. The time is now. I have come to be with you. Turn away from your sin and walk with me in new life. Jesus shares this message and he goes out and from the very beginning, he makes it clear with these couple men, with these four men, that this is what their lives were going to now be about. They were going to be about him. And he 
follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. Church, I want to be very clear at the beginning here today that this is the call for our lives too. That this is who we are and this is what we are going to be about. If you're a Christian here in this room, this new occupation, this new call that Jesus has for your life, it's not optional, it's foundational, it is essential. This is what Jesus is asking of us. This is everything. And if you're here in this room and and maybe you're not a Christian, you wouldn't consider yourself someone that knows Jesus, man, my hope and my prayer for you today is that as we talk about this call on the life of every follower of Jesus, that it would be very clear that we're not here just to sing some songs and to read some words on a screen, but that we are here because we believe in the power of the message of Jesus, and we hope that you would hear it and that this city would hear it and that you would make a decision to follow Jesus today. This is why we are here, and my hope and my prayer is that we would all be challenged to be who Jesus has created us to be today. And so back to this invitation, Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now that word men includes you, all right? More so reads people, fishers of people, so y'all ain't off the hook, all right? If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is a new occupation, a new occupation, write that down, a new occupation. When I was in college, I had a couple of roommates and they were great Southern gentlemen, That's code for redneck, okay? And um, uh, these people loved to hunt and to fish. They loved to duck hunt and to deer hunt. Um, They were wearing camo and Carhartt beanies before Urban Outfitters made it cool, you know? Now it's just like the cool thing. Everyone's got a Carhartt beanie, Carhartt jacket, and it's like, what What? What happened? Well, these dudes, um, I I was roommates with them in college, and um, they were pretty crazy. They would go out fishing all day long. I would come home from class, and there would just be like piles of fish just like all over the place in our kitchen, you know, like scales scraped in the kitchen sink all over the dishes that were always piled high because we were in college, right? One morning, I I woke up, and I was getting ready for class, and... I get out of bed and it was going to be a beautiful day. I was excited for the day and I open up my blinds and, and I look outside and there's an entire buck just like hanging from the tree outside, y'all. Just hanging there, blood, guts everywhere. It was disgusting. But this is the kind of guys that I was living with. They were rough, they were rugged, they were wild and I loved living with them. These were Judson and Michael and they would invite me to go fishing all the time. But like typically I decline their offer because I'm like, I'm not trying to do that. Like I'm not trying to sit outside all day long. I ain't got time for that. Well, one afternoon I decided to be a good roommate and I was like, fine, I'll go fishing with you guys. And, and so we go out and we hop in their camo cruiser and we're riding down the water. And this is in North Carolina in Wilmington where I'm from. And we're riding down the waterway and the sun is starting to set and the sky is this like orange and pink and, and it's a beautiful day out. The fall air is starting to kind of wash over us and we're going down the waterway and we come to what's called the inlet. It's where the water from the ocean and the waterway collide and we stop there right in the middle of this inlet and they say, all right, cast, here you go. Here's a fishing pole. Go ahead, catch some fish. I was like, I don't know what to do. What what are you talking about? What what do I even do with this thing? And they're like, just throw it out there. And so I cast my first line. Y'all, within the first minute, I am reeling in this big old striped bass. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm reeling this thing in. And they're like, what? I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, hey, bring it in the boat. And I'm like, all right. So I reel it in. I fling this thing in the boat. And this fish is just flapping all over the place. It's just going everywhere. And I'm like, how do, what what do I do now? They're like, hey, you got to take it off the hook. You got to throw it in the cooler. And I'm like, I got to touch that thing. I got to touch that. 
That scales look all slimy and the fin looks like it's going to slice my hand open. Like, what am I supposed to do? And so I'm grabbing the fish. I'm trying to get the hook out of its mouth. I'm cutting my finger. This thing's flying all over the place. I'm about to fall off the boat. Finally, I get it off the hook. I fling it into the cooler. And I was like, all right, what, what do we do now? Are we done? And they're like, no, 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 no. You keep casting. Come on, let's go. And so we're throwing out line after line after line. And we bring in fish after fish. We fill that cooler up and we head on home. Guys, it was super awesome. It was a great night. We saw this awesome sunset. We caught all these fish. We go home. We have this big old fish fry. And I want to tell everyone about it. Like, I had so much fun. I'm calling my mom. I'm like, Mom, I caught a fish. She's like, cool, big deal. And I'm telling all my friends. I'm calling my girl. I even post it on Instagram, y'all. This is, this is a photo. September 25th, 2012. All right, this is a while back. And um, listen, you can tell from this photo that I was a hipster hanging out with a bunch of fishermen because rather than catching a photo of the fish, I caught three photos of the sunset and a trendy picture of my roommate. <laughs> like what in the world was this? Listen, I was not a fisherman. I had no clue what I was doing. But because who I was with, I became one because of association. Listen, if you want to answer the call, the invitation to follow Jesus, you've got to realize that following Jesus means that by association, you are going to become a fisher of men. This is your new call on your life. It's less about, an, less about a profession. It is now your life. It is all of you. It is the new occupation that Jesus wants to call you to today. You see, with the good news of the kingdom to spread throughout the whole world, Jesus gathered a small group of rough, rugged, messed up, jacked up dudes to follow him for three years. They were with him for three years. He loved them and taught them and cared for them and trained them. And when he left earth, he only had a handful of people that were still following him. But these everyday, ordinary men and women made a decision to answer the call of G that Jesus had placed on their lives, and they flipped the world upside down. These men were filled with the Spirit of God. These women were filled with the power of Jesus in their hearts, and they flipped this world upside down. And I'm here to tell you, Elevate City, this is what we're here to do again today. This is what we are all about. You know, typically... A new occupation starts with an application. Y'all ever applied for a job before? Yeah, y'all applied for some jobs. Here's the thing. These men didn't apply, though. Jesus sought them out, and he's seeking you out today. There are no prerequisites. There's no, there's no personality test. Heck, there ain't even a drug test in this new occupation that Jesus is inviting you to be a part of today. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Can I just tell you that once you start to follow Jesus, Jesus is never going to stop making you into who he has created you to be. There's something new that he wants to do in your heart today. There's something new that he wants to do in your heart tomorrow. And he's never going to stop preparing you and growing you into this new occupation that he has placed on your life. See, this phrase, follow me. As Joey talked about, literally means come after me. It was this technical expression that meant to go behind or to become and to be a disciple, a follower, a student, being in the dust of your rabbi. And then that phrase, make you become, this is pretty cool. It literally means it includes a promise. And so it's as if Jesus was saying, I promise 
to prepare you. Promise to prepare you for what? To become fishers of men. They were being prepared for this new occupation. And now some of y'all, you showed up at church today and you're sitting here thinking, where the heck am I? Is this some kind of cult? They're talking about like fishing for people. Like, what is this? Do I got enough time to get out of here right now? Like, what is happening? See, the reality is though, in that day, when Jesus made this statement, it would have been uh, a phrase recognized. Um, it, would have, it would have been a part of their language of the day. See, the Greek, Roman, Greek and Roman philosophers and communicators of the day, they used this phrase to talk about um, catching people with talking, using words to catch people with persuasion. In the Old Testament, actually, there's this imagery that's used with um, fishing for people and fish as well. You see it in Jeremiah uh, 16, 16, and you see it in some of the other prophets' writings. And typically, when you hear this idea of this image of fishing for people, it was meant to portray this picture of divine judgment that was coming. A divine judgment. But when Jesus uses this phrase... It was as a means to avoid divine judgment. See, Jesus, when he would preach to people, he would say things like this in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, at Sermon on the Mount, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Do you realize that there's a judgment coming? People don't like to talk about that. There are two ways that we can go in this life and in the next. Eternity is real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And people really need to hear about Jesus. Look around. It doesn't take um, much observation to be able to see that this world is full of destruction and brokenness. Like you can open up your phone and like one quick swipe, one quick, quick scroll on Facebook and you're like, ah, I gotta shut that off. Turn on the news, nope. Destruction and brokenness and hurt and pain. But Jesus says there is a way that is better. There is a way that leads to life. And if you will follow me, you are following in that way. See, this new occupation that Jesus was calling them into was more than just a cute phrase. It was, a, it was about a plan to rescue humanity, a plan to rescue the people that he loved so deeply. And check this out. They were invited into this mission and you and I are invited into this mission and we are plan A for this mission. There is no plan B, Elevate City. We are plan A. This new occupation involves us. Jesus called these guys to be someone who they were not yet because he was going to make them into who he created them to be. Because I want you to be disciples who make disciples. See, we talk about this word disciple here a lot. We say we are driven by discipleship. Um, a disciple, a student, but for our church, where we talk about disciple, a disciple is someone that knows Jesus, someone that follows Jesus, and someone that leads others to do the same. In the Bible, we see it's really clear that when people come to know Jesus, 
They make a decision to put their faith in him, to trust as him as the Lord of their lives. They drop their nets, they turn away from sin, and they walk towards him. And this idea of following him means to be close to him in his presence, in the dust of your rabbi, being near to the person of Jesus. And then there is always a call for them to lead other people to do the same. These three ideas are not they, don't, they can't be separated from each other. This is what it means to be a disciple. A disciple, every single disciple is a disciple maker. Every single disciple. And the hard truth of today is that if you are not a disciple who makes disciples, then you're not a disciple. Like I really, I was, as I was preparing, Message like I was really like trying to see if there was any way I could have like a softball message kind of woven into this. Like I wish I could just come here today and just say Jesus loves you and let you pat yourself on the back and you leave here today feeling super good about yourself. But the problem with that is the Bible. It's the Bible. Like I searched through the Bible trying to see and did lots of study and seeing. Is there any example in the Bible of a disciple who doesn't also make disciples? Like is there any like asterisk there where there are certain people that don't have to do that? And I searched through the Bible and the, and the reality is, is there isn't. Every disciple is a disciple maker. Jesus made it very clear with his final words to his followers in Matthew 28. It's known as the Great Commission. And he invites his crew up to the mountain with him. And they hang out with him and they worship him. And then Jesus gives them this commission for their lives, this charge for their lives. And it's for you and me today too. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, sometimes when we hear words like this and we read that passage and we hear people like me come up and talk about this idea of us being fishers of men and disciples to make disciples, it can feel like an obligation that you would rather just ignore, right? Like maybe you've heard this before and you've had this thought like surely Jesus, like I get it, that's what you said 2,000 years ago, but you don't really mean that for today. Like, surely, Jesus, I get that for people like Joe and Joey, but, like, I'm not wired like that. Like, I can't stand on a stage and preach the gospel to people. Surely, Jesus, like, I'm, I'm not part of this plan of yours. Like, there's got to be another way. You don't really need me. Like, I am shy. I am an introvert. I am a nine. I hate confrontation. You want me to go and tell people that they need Jesus? I would rather go lock myself in a closet. I don't want to do that. Jesus, come on. Like, surely there's another way. Like, uh, you've got another plan, right? You talk about fishing for men. Can't you just like drop a net from the sky, gather everyone up, bring them home? Can't you just take all the sevens around the world and just let them stand on a stage and amuse everyone and then we'll be good? Like, come on, Jesus. There's got to be another way. Is this dated? You don't mean this for 2020, right? Like, ah, People aren't going to like us. Jesus, I can't be a disciple that makes disciples because I want people to like me. Excuse after excuse, we run through our minds when we hear and read something like this because we're seeing it as an obligation. But yes, Jesus, this call that he gave was a command. But before that, notice that it was an invitation. 
It was an invitation that these guys would have gladly accepted. See, for these Jewish men to be fishing, it would have meant that they would have spent their whole lives preparing to follow a rabbi, and then they'd been passed over. They had, been, uh, they had not measured up, and they didn't dream of growing up to become fishermen. No, 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 no. They wanted to follow someone. They wanted their lives to matter. They wanted to have lives of purpose and significance and make an impact. And when Jesus found them, This would have meant the world to them. They finally felt seen. They finally felt noticed. They finally felt like they mattered, like their life could mean something beyond just the here and the now. It would have been an invitation, not an obligation for them. And the same invitation is available for you today. Do you want to feel seen? Do you want to feel worthy? Do you want to feel like your life has value, has meaning, has purpose beyond yourself? This is the invitation that Jesus is is inviting us into. We get to go on this journey with Jesus. It's not out of obligation. It's an invitation. See, oftentimes when we think about discipleship, we also think about it as something that you like arrive at. You know, like if you grew up in church and went to vacation Bible school and then you go to enough Bible studies and you memorize all of the lyrics to Amazing Grace and then you take communion with a wafer and some grape juice, not wine, at least 200 times and you go through all of these trainings, then you become a disciple. A disciple? But that's not the case. Disciple, a disciple is not something that you merely arrive at. It's not a destination. Discipleship is an expedition. It is an ongoing journey with purpose. And this is the theme for this, of Jesus' ministry and what he is calling his followers into. Do you know that Jesus is inviting you to live a life of purpose today? He's inviting you to live a life of purpose. Like, I don't know where you're at and what you spend your days doing. But what I do know is that so many people are spending their days feeling as though they're so, so void of meaning and of purpose and of making a difference in this world. Do you wake up each day and just go through the motions of life? Do you wake up to the same annoying alarm every single morning that makes you just wanna smash your phone and then immediately you look at your phone and you just start scrolling aimlessly before you even get out of bed? Do you wake up and go to the same job, fill out the same reports, Go through the same nine to five motions. Come home, watch the same shows, get on the same phone calls, hop back into the same Zoom meetings and feel like your life is just missing something. Do you see the kind of year that 2020 has been and do you recognize all the hurt and all the pain and all the brokenness? Do you see the marriages that have just been demolished? The families that are being pulled apart the families that are experiencing loss and heartbreak, who have lost loved ones? Do you see that kids are so confused about their future and wondering if mom and dad are really gonna be able to stick it out? Do you see your friends and your neighbors and your brothers and your sisters and your family members that have so many questions about what is happening and where do we go from here? Do you wonder what your place is in the midst of all of this mess? This is it. This is it. Jesus calls here in this initial story. He goes on to be the pillar of launching the church that we now know today. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, he writes a letter to the church and for you and for me. And he says, but you are a chosen race. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Does this world feel dark? Do you need to be reminded that we've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light so that we can tell people about the light of the world that is Jesus, the hope of Jesus? So many people want to know God's will for their lives. You and I were always asking these questions, God, what's, my will, what's your will for my life? What should I do? What's my purpose here on this earth? Like, how can I leave a mark, leave a legacy here? Listen, I'm here to tell you that God doesn't care as much about what you're doing with your days. He cares about who you're reaching where you are. He cares about how you're loving the people that he's placed in front of you. That's your purpose. Whether you realize it or not, this is the new occupation that Jesus into, and it's not optional. When each of us breathe our last breath here on this earth and we step into the other side of eternity and we stand before Jesus, Jesus is going to ask us straight up two questions. Did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? Did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? Jesus is calling each of us today to have eyes that see beyond the here and now, eyes that see eternity and hearts that beat for heaven and break for people. Let me ask you, have you settled for lesser things? So many people often decline Jesus' job offer to embrace a new occupation because our lives are so preoccupied with lesser things. Like what's occupying your heart today? Have you let the successes of this world drive your every day and blind you to the needs of people around you? Do you wake up every single morning thinking first about how much money that you can make today rather than the people that you might encounter and have a chance to love? Do you worry about so many lesser things in this life rather than the fact that this world needs Jesus? There's this organization called the Joshua Project and uh, on their website, they talk about different global statistics and I'm not one to share a bunch of statistics, but I came across this and I was like, and um, said on, on their website it talks about different people groups. And right now on, in this, on the globe, there are 17,441 different people groups that they estimate in our global population. And 42% of those people groups are classified as unreached. Just to give you perspective, that's 3.23 billion people worldwide that are fall into this category of unreached. They have no access to the message of Jesus, no people currently there to share the gospel, no church in their people group. And then I looked at the stats for the U.S. because I was like, I just want to see. They talk about how the U.S. alone has over 10.5 million people that fall into this unreached category. Would you have thought that in the U.S. of A, 10.5 million people that are classified as unreached, don't have access to the message of the gospel? Like what in the world? That's crazy. And that's not to include the people that have just chosen not to hear this message and have a church on their corner. I've just chosen not to believe yet. See, church, these numbers don't change. These statistics don't change unless everyday ordinary men and women, 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 women <laughs> everyday men and women see it as their mission it's their mission to tell people about Jesus. 
Jesus didn't call you and me to safe and stale, comfortable, monotonous, nine to five lives throughout the week. Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me to be with him on this life-changing journey, seeing lives change forever. See, Jesus came to earth with a job to do. He says it in Luke 19.10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to come to the earth that he created to seek out the people that he loves. Out of love, Jesus sought you out and he's seeking me out and he wants to save people by the power of the cross. See, if this mission is important to Jesus, then this mission must be important to us. It's gotta be important to us. Like, I don't know, I was thinking, like, what else can I do to come up here and try to convince you that this matters other than to show you that this matters to God and what matters to God must matter to us, church. These things must matter to us. And the great fight for evangelism is for us to keep it on our radar. This message has to occupy occupy our minds before it'll ever occupy our lives. We have to keep Jesus on our radar have to keep the message of the gospel on our radar that people need to know Jesus. They need to hear about him. And you need to remind yourself that Jesus found you in your sin, in your brokenness, in your shame. Jesus moved into your neighborhood. He came to be with you, to make you new. Jesus left heaven to die on a cross for you, to pay for your sin that separated you from God so that you could know God so that you could walk with God, so that you could experience life here on earth, joy here on earth, and life for all eternity with him in heaven. And here on this earth, he is taking what was dead in you and he's resurrecting it to new life. This is walking in the ways of Jesus. He's making you new. He's making me new. And the primary role of a disciple is to first remind yourself of the gospel. I love this definition of the gospel. It says the gospel is the good news. Someone say good news. Good news that God is reconciling all things to himself through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You have been found to find. We've been found to tell people about this message. It always starts with reminding ourselves, and then it moves to sharing the gospel. Discipleship and evangelism are not two different things at odds with one another. No, discipleship starts with sharing the gospel. In order for someone to follow Jesus, you got to make it known to them. You got to share with them. That means telling people. Being a disciple is, that makes disciples always involves sharing the truth with people, even if it's tough, even if it's hard to hear. So I want to ask you, as I've been talking, like, what is that thought that has been running through your mind? What is that but that has been running through your mind, that question, that, ah, but I don't know, ah, what is that fear? Is it the fear of inadequacy? You've been thinking this whole time, yeah, but I just can't do that. I'm not equipped. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the Bible enough. I'm not ready. I don't have what it takes. What is that thought that's been running through your mind, that excuse? You may be thinking, I can't do this, but the reality is, is that you can't. And I can't. That's why Jesus is the one that provides the power for us to be able to carry this out. He says, you will receive power by my spirit. And you will be my witnesses. 
See, this is the core of discipleship. We follow Jesus and he makes us disciples who make disciples. Is it the fear of rejection that you've been thinking about? You can't seem to comprehend how all this makes sense for your life because you can't get over the fear of you standing before someone trying to engage in conversation with that neighbor, with that brother, with that sister, and you're having that conversation and you're worried about rejection. You can't stomach the reality of rejection and so you just choose to remove yourself from that situation all never engaging in it. See, the reality is, is when people choose to reject this message, they're not rejecting you. Like we take things so personally, just cut straight to our heart every single time. But the reality is that they're rejecting Jesus. They're not rejecting you. And the pressure is not on you. The pressure is not on me. As I stand up here today, I know the pressure is not on me. God's going to do what he wants to do with this message. God's going to do what he wants to do with what I speak. And Jesus didn't call us to be catchers of men. He called us to be fishers. Of, he didn't call us to be catchers of men. He called us to be fishers of men. And the reality of fishing, if you've ever been fishing before, is that you don't always catch fish. Anyone ever been fishing and ever caught a fish before? Yeah. See, after I had that experience with my roommates, I, uh, I was like hooked. I was ready to go back out again. And um, so we went back out the next weekend, and I was like, let's go out all day, guys. Like, I want to catch so much fish. Like, we're going to come back, and we're going to be eating for days. Like, it's going to be awesome. And so we load up the boat, and we load up the truck, and we head out for a day on the water. And we were out there sun up to sundown, hit every single inlet and island. We went to all the different waterways, all the different channels. We went out to sea. We went everywhere that we could possibly go. I was with professionals, y'all, and we came back with zero fish nothing nada we get back and I walk up to him and I give him the pole they let me borrow and I was like guys this is not for me <laughs> not for me how many of you have experienced that same thing before when it come when it came to sharing the gospel with someone when it came to talking about your faith with someone when it came to sharing Jesus with someone how many of you you experienced some rejection, you experienced some pushback, and rather than pushing forward, you decided, ah, this might not be for me. I'm just not built for this. I can't do it. It's not possible. See, fishing requires discipline. It requires patience. It requires perseverance. And this is what's required for this new occupation that Jesus is calling us to. And here's the freedom. There's, it's that you and I, we don't have to save people. My job's not to save people. This occupation doesn't require that we catch. No, it requires that we cast. And we cast again. And we're obedient to Jesus. And we cast again. And we listen to his word. And we cast again. And we follow what he's asked us to do. And we cast again and again and again. Even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to cast again and again and again. You have been caught to cast, caught obedient to the word of Jesus. He's asking us, he's calling us, he's inviting us, he's telling us this is what we are called to do. I love that this occupation isn't even a one size fits all. I love that there is diversity in what Jesus is calling us to. It looks different for every person. See, notice what Jesus did with the early disciples. He didn't call their careers trash. He didn't look at them and say, hey, yeah, you're never going to fish again in your lives. He knew that they were wired to fish, created to fill fish. They were built for that. He knew who they were. He saw what they were doing, and he wanted to leverage 
their skills and their talents and their personalities and their abilities for his kingdom to make him known. Jesus is calling you and he's calling me to use our gifts that we've been given by him for his kingdom. Can you sing? Are you an artist? Are you an architect? Do you have the gift of caring for people, of shepherding people, of leading people? Do you have the gift of teaching and training? Like what are you good at? Hospitality, how can you use your gift for Jesus' kingdom to point people to him. See, this new occupation might mean that you need to leave corporate world and take your skills to a local church. It may mean that you need to take your sales skills to a new country and become a missionary on the mission field. It might mean that you need to take that job transfer. It might mean that if you are wise with money, that you need to help to invest your money and teach people how to invest their resources to the kingdom here on earth through a local church. It may mean that you need to take a job transfer. Or it may mean something else. Like I'm not someone that's usually harping on this idea of in order to be a Christian, you got to sell everything that you have, move to Africa, quit your job, and just make your family just rough it out there. Like, I'm not saying that this is what you have to do. It might be. This new occupation, though, does require that every single person needs to give up something in order for someone to hear about Jesus. Remember, discipleship is not a destination, it's an expedition, it's a journey with purpose. One thing about the fishermen is that they, one thing about all fishermen is that they constantly adapt to the conditions that are before them. If it's raining, they adjust. If there's a cloud in the sky, they adjust. If the wind is putting a ripple on the water, they adjust. In 2020, listen, we need some engineers and we need some influencers to get a hold of this new occupation and to commit to say, hey, you know what? We want to help to reach people in this digital age and they want to come alongside the church and say, you know what? I'm going to help make disciples online. I'm going to see digital discipleship take place in my generation. We need some men and women who are teachers to say, hey, you know what, rather than thinking so much about investing in temporary education right here and now, I'm going to leverage my platform to show the love of Jesus to the youth of today and tomorrow. And I'm not going to be scared about what might happen if I might share my faith. I think that's the enemy always trying to keep us from being creative. The reality is, is that we can find a way. We can find a way. If you're in sales, pretty self-explanatory. Your new occupation when knowing Jesus is to leverage your conversations, to share about the greatest product ever created, and that's grace. And the cool thing about grace is that it's free. If you're in marketing, market that free. Imagine that. Take your skills, your gifts that God has given you. Come alongside the church or maybe just do it personally and say, hey, you know, I'm going to create a campaign to market this free grace to a world that needs it so desperately. If you're a nurse, come on, every single day you have the ability to care for people in such a way that you're not just ushering them towards temporary healing here on earth, but you're ushering them towards eternal life in Jesus each and every day. And the challenge for you and the challenge for me and the challenge for each and every one of us and no matter what profession we find ourselves in today is to use words. It's to use words. If you're a mom or a dad or maybe you're one day going to be, maybe you're in the room and you're expecting Here's the reality, is that your new occupation is first to parent in such a way that you teach your gospel explicitly. My son, he has no idea what death is, 
no idea what dying is, no idea, no concept of any of that. But every single night I tell him, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you know what? Every time he sees a cross, he goes, Daddy, cross. Daddy, cross. Cross, Daddy, cross. He sees it on my hand. Cross, Daddy, cross. He doesn't understand it yet. It doesn't make sense yet. But I'm preaching it to him every single day, believing that one day he's going to come to know Jesus. If you're a parent, your job from the moment your child is conceived is to pray for them and to pray with them. Even if you've got to talk to your wife's belly, you're preaching the gospel to them from the moment they are born. Because you're sowing seeds. You are casting lines. You are telling them about the hope of Jesus over and over again, believing that one day it's going to click. One day it's going to make sense. One day they're going to say yes to Jesus, and it's all going to be worth it. If you're a husband or a wife here in this room, you be Jesus to your spouse. And you use words, you talk about the gospel, you share what he's doing in your life. Very simple step for each of us in this digital age is to share the gospel looks like sharing on social media what Jesus is doing in your life. It seems sometimes superficial, it's not. A very simple step to share Jesus with people is you tell about what he's doing in your life. You share services like this. You repost services like this. You send them to that old high school friend that you had and say, hey, I don't know, but you might need this today. It might look like you texting that person that has come into your mind over and over again and just saying, hey, you popped in my head. I don't know why, but how can I pray for you? And you pray right then that God would give you the opportunity to share the gospel with that person. It might look like you inviting them to church and along through the process, you telling them about what Jesus has done in your life. You preach your story to them, hoping that they would then hear and respond to the story that Jesus wants to write in their lives. The time is now, church. Think of all that this year has been and all of the noise and all of the destruction and all of the pain and the brokenness. And we get the opportunity as the church of Jesus to be the voice that rises above the noise and speaks truth even when people don't really want to hear it, speaks truth because we know that they need it. They need it more than anything else on this life, more than healing right now in this moment, more than a new job. They need Jesus. This is first and this is primary. And you know what our call is, is to use words. The worst advice you'll ever get is someone that says, hey, just let your life be lived in such a way that people will know Jesus through you. That's crap. I'm just telling you right now, that's crap. It's crap. Yes, our lives should be, our actions should be done in love, but you know what? You have to use words to share the gospel. You have to use words. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from what? Hearing. Hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. People will not assume to understand the gospel from your actions, but they will come to hear the gospel when you use words and you tell them about what Jesus has done for you and what he came to do for them. Man, I want us to feel this burden so deeply. And I want us to also realize the freedom in knowing that Jesus' spirit is the one that's driving this whole occupation. It's not your job and it's not my job to save people. It's our job to be obedient to the spirit of Jesus. 
And when he prompts us, when he moves in our heart, when we feel that little tickle in our soul, that's like, I need to talk to this person right now. You know what that is? It's Jesus shouting, saying, talk to them. Share Jesus with them. Invite them to church. Tell them that I love them. It's about being obedient to Jesus and being occupied by the spirit of Jesus each and every day that we spend time with him and so that he will use us for his glory. See, love for God and obedience to Jesus cannot be separated. We can't be lift our hands and sing these songs and tell Jesus about how much we love him, but then disobey the thing that he's asked us to do, which is to make disciples. This is the hard truth today. And I know for some of you, you've got all these questions in your mind and all of these excuses in your mind, but I'm just here to tell you that this is what the Bible says, that this is who we're called to be. This is what Jesus invited us into, that he used a group of everyday, ordinary men and women to change the world. And if that's not proof alone that God can do anything through anyone, I don't know what what is. There was about 140 people sitting in a room after Jesus left. And they turned the world upside down. They shared about what Jesus had done for them. They spoke about the cross and the reality of the resurrection and how Jesus wants to resurrect the dead things that are in you to new life in him. That's what he came to do. He came to make you new. He came to make me new. He came to give us not just new life for all of eternity, but new life here on earth. The joy that it is to know him each and every day. The confidence that it gives us when we walk with him in the morning. The 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 power that it gives us and authority that his spirit gives us each and every day. As we go to love people, it's knowing him and making him known. We got a job to do, church. The time is now. We got a story to tell and a people to save, and we got to get working. This is the new occupation that Jesus has called us into. And so the question is, are you available? Are you wanting to say yes to this occupation each and every day? When you wake up and say, hey, Jesus, I'm available for you to use me today to make you known. Remember the two questions that Jesus is going to ask us on the other side of eternity. Did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? How did you invest in my kingdom? How did you love people by speaking truth? How did you care for not just their health here on earth, but their health for all of eternity in heaven? How did you remove barriers and pull back preconceived notions about what it means and looks like to be a Christian? How did you remove religiosity from from my hope today? And how did you point people directly to me, to Jesus? Church, this is who we are, and this is who we are going to be, what we are going to do. Did you know me? And what did you do to make me known? Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful, God, for the reality of the gospel, God, that you are reconciling all things to yourself through Jesus, through his life. Jesus, we're grateful that you came, grateful that you're reconciling all things to yourself through his death. Jesus, we're grateful for the cross. And we are so grateful for the resurrection. 
Jesus, that you conquered sin, you conquered death, you defeated hell and the grave so that we can walk in confidence knowing that there is no situation that we that comes before us. There is no circumstance that can pull us away from you. And there is no person that is too hard for you to reach, God. We are grateful that you came for us in our mess to meet us there and to make us new, Jesus. And I pray today, Lord, for us, for this church, that we would be a people that walk and the new life that you're calling us into, and the new occupation that you've invited us into. I pray that we would leave here today and be bold and be courageous and be confident that you've called us to be disciples who make disciples. Jesus, if there's anyone here in this room or watching online that does not yet know you, I pray that they would come to know you fact with every head bowed and every eye closed here in this room and online wherever you're at if you want to come to know Jesus I want to invite you now in this moment to pray this prayer simple prayer but it'll change your life forever pray this Jesus I know that I need you I know that you died for me I know that you rose from the grave and I'm trusting in you as the Lord of my life I want to follow you all the days of my life. Make me new. God's word tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And so if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that Jesus is resurrecting in you now everything that was dead to new life in him. For everyone here in this room, I believe that Jesus has a call that's bigger than ourselves for our lives. And I just pray today that we would leave here and take what happened in here beyond us and the need to hear about Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we're so grateful for you. And we pray all of these things in the power of your spirit and in your name, amen, amen, amen.